Hey guys, on this episode of Thinking Caps, we have Scott McNeely, the poster boy for privacy. And we talk about walled gardens, the strength of Facebook, Google, Amazon, and others as the cookie crumbles. How's the small guy, how are the small brands actually going to have a fighting chance in this advertising landscape? Scott has a great perspective and he has some advice for you if you're CEO or working at a brand on how you have to get your own zero-party data built. Check this out. Hey guys, welcome back to Thinking Caps, where we talk everything digital, consumer, privacy, data, etc. I'm Tim Glom. I'm here with Richard Jones, our CMO at Cheetah Digital, and we have a special guest, my former boss. My former boss. Oh. Uh, and about 25,000 other people. Yeah, right? Boss. <laughs> <laughs> the great Scott McNeely is joining us from Scott. It looks like you're uh, on the road. Where Where are you right now? I'm trying, you know, this whole privacy thing has me all freaked out. So I'm trying to get off the grid. I'm in a rented <laughs> RV in Orlando. So true story. I mean, if you look back there, I don't, I don't know. There's there's the driver's seats and uh, it's um, it's it's actually pretty fun. <laughs> well, we're on a satellite encrypted uplink with Scott right now and the FBI is tracking us. So we're going to be quick. But no, thanks for taking the time. Scott. I'm not really I'm not really in Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell anybody is not golfing somewhere <laughs> so but richard you have quite a few things we're excited to have scott on because obviously scott has been dealing with privacy and consumer privacy and all kinds of things for decades and um has a great point of view and perspective on things why don't you kick it off because i know yeah, you're chomping it definitely definitely i i will so um you know for those that, that don't know in the audience the younger ones perhaps uh uh, Scott was the co-founder and CEO of Sun Microsystems, which was, as as many of the older folks will know, a legendary company in yeah. Silicon Valley. Um, uh, was uh, one of the the big, you know, three or four companies that really really made Silicon Valley in the eighties and and nineties. And, and I want to take you back, Scott, down memory lane to um, January. 1999 and i think for the for the sake of the audience i'm going to read out uh, a couple of paragraphs here from an article that was published in wired magazines uh named sun on privacy quotes get over it uh which caused quite a bit of story and obviously the wired was just one of many many articles uh, many uh, publications that actually cover this but it was the chief executive officer of Sun Microsystems said Monday that consumer privacy issues are a red herring. You have zero privacy anyway, Scott McNeely told a group of reporters and analysts Monday night at an event to launch his company's new Gini technology. Get over it. McNeely's comments caused quite a stir. <laughs> I wish I was there. I wish I was there as well. What do, you, what do you remember about that, Scott? I remember back then that was heresy and everybody... You know, people used to keep source code uh, confidential because that was the corporate jewels and people would keep their their data private. And it was just considered absolutely heresy. And what was I saying? And was I part of the problem? And I remember uh, my chief privacy officer having a conniption. I just like what it was totally unscripted. I didn't I was just up there talking and somebody was asking a question, I think, in the audience. And I just kind of said it i i tell my i told all four of my boys growing up you have no privacy get over it everything you do is going to be captured digitally and it'll be a digital tattoo and you're not getting rid of it so just understand that and uh, operate your life as if uh, you are under constant surveillance and it's all being recorded and it could go viral 
at any moment. And that, of course, is sound advice. But I, I uh, you know, doing a, a little bit of a research to, uh, to to what was printed in the media. I mean, people were queuing up to uh, to bash you over oh, the yeah. to the head. I was right, wasn't I? You were, you were right. There's no, there's no question. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I have to, I find it quite interesting that, you know, with that comment, it caused, you know, quite a little bit of a stir. And you've got, you know, got politicians, you've got journalists, you've got all sorts of people that are, in, you know, up in arms about, you know, how dare you say this about privacy? But yet, you know, not a huge amount happened. A lot of talk, but not a huge lot about uh, uh, happened really, until. Fast forward almost 20 years to early 2018 when the Cambridge Analytica um, uh, news hit, you know, when it was revealed that uh, they had harvested personal data from millions of, of Facebook profiles without consent and then were selling it to folks that were driving political ads over it. And the, the, the you know, the fallout of that was, was obviously huge. Um, but what I wanted to ask you was, you know, with Zuckerberg getting hauled up in front of Congress. Congress Was it Was it nice to see someone else getting pulled up in front of Congress? <laughs> you know, I've been, I've been out of the CEO pinata for about uh, a dozen years now, and I don't miss it. Uh, and especially now, there's just almost no way you can win. Uh, I, I'm not sure I would have handled the questions the same way that uh, Mark did, but you know what? He's richer than me, so maybe he's got better answers than I do. <laughs> now, did you did you ever think that it would take you know that it would be that length of time, almost twenty years, before you know privacy becomes such a hot topic politically, and that actually you know the furore that was was sort of addressed to you at the time was was sort of small potatoes in many ways to what what has happened you know since that Cambridge Analytica scandal. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm surprised, but I still don't think the conversation has matured and truly understands what the real culprits are, what the real problems are. If I had been Zuckerberg, I'd have been up there and said, listen, if you're using my service for free, you're not the customer, you are the product. Your data, who you are, what you are, and what you're doing, that is the product. You get to use it for free. So go read, go read the terms and conditions of signing up for Facebook. Go read the terms and conditions of any of these social networks. Uh, Go read the terms and conditions of Netflix of every, you know, there, there are, you better read them carefully because, you know, if you're getting stuff for free, um, you're the product. And there's a cost. The, the, the piece that absolutely, there's no free lunch. And uh, the other thing is people are all worried about businesses having your data. Well, I'm way more worried about the government having my data. Because the government is doing my healthcare now, is doing my education, they're doing my personal security, they're doing my rights enforcement, they're doing my financial loans, all kinds of stuff. And the ability, whether it's FISA warrants or uh, IRS audits or um, uh, student loan forgiveness or who, what healthcare I get, and am I, you know, what does the death squad say? I'm way more worried about the government having my personal data than i am facebook because you know what i just don't use facebook they, they won't find you in that rv uh scott i think <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think you're in the clear so uh, but I, I guess i guess the, the thing that, that is interesting for me about the the time lapse between the last privacy you know between you know your, your quote uh, you have no privacy get over it and now is 
the you know the sophistication in the devices that consumers are carrying around in their their pockets with their smartphones you know we can swipe type speak and shoot to pass data between us and governments us and brands us and you know whoever else might be listening so you know i think privacy now has taken on a whole new dimension just because of the sheer volume of data that can be collected uh, around us as citizens and consumers you know it's not just your phone which basically tracks your every move, your every app you open, every thing you buy, every person you talk to or text to or email. I mean, it's just stunning how much activity comes from this little device, right? It, it's and it's all captured by either the app maker or the phone company or the phone manufacturer. But it's not that only. It's the fact that everywhere you walk, there are microphones, sensors. There are cameras, there are uh, autonomous vehicles, everything. There's an Uber uh, company. Everybody is tracking just about everything that is going on in your life. You, Somebody once said, you have no privacy, get over it. I mean, if you really step back and think <laughs> about it, you really, you really do yeah, need I mean, to get you, over it. You, and so the real... So, so the real issue is, is there any way to... Uh, create data that is yours and yours only. And our company is going to start offering as a feature, hey, we, we will give you your data. We won't take your data and we will pay you for access to your data. That would be a nice, a nice win. Uh, I, are we going to have governments regulate that? I doubt it unless governments are willing to say they're going to pay me for my data when they're going to snoop on me or whatever. <laughs> It's it's going to be challenging, but then the the second argument is when are we going to all get smart and get a smaller government, and third, uh, when are we going to really understand the power of, of zero party data, and uh, a an explicit contract between me and the business about what my data is and what it is used for. That's a that's a great point, and and yep. something that you know people that follow you on social media or have seen you on your TV interviews of late will know that you're a big. Uh, proponent of and you know zero party data something we talk about in this podcast quite a bit is you know where where brands are asking data from consumers explicitly from consumers uh, about their motivations their desires their interests um, in order for that brand to better serve them with products and services and marketing messages and what have you but it's a, as you say it's an explicit transaction directly between brand and consumer uh, with uh, a value exchange. And, you know, actually something that we're really bullish on here that we've talked a, a fair bit about is, is you know, what what is that value exchange? And, you know, zero party data, many people are doing many different things, everything from, you know, personalized product recommendations in return for data through to, you know, chances to win something, instant win or sweepstake or whatever it may be. But actually long-term, loyalty frameworks are the the real way that a brand can actually define that value exchange in return for data uh repeat purchases and engagement um and so we're, we're very much bullish on on loyalty as a as this construct for how brands and consumers can well, engage well it makes a lot of sense because especially if you start to ask consumers what they care about in loyalty and right. i have some great stats that we're going to release um in the next month that talks specifically around how people think about loyalty. And hey, Scott, I've got a question for you. I'm gonna put a pop quiz that I'm asking a few people this week. Um, I'm gonna ask you, how many loyalty programs do you belong to right now off the top of your head? In some way, shape or form. Me or my wife? 
Me or my wife? <laughs> All right. So th- now this is a great point, right? The, because, the royal way. Because most advertisers, I'm just going to segue for a second. Most advertisers, I come from the television spot, uh, space where brands are buying programs. They're not buying people and they certainly aren't buying individuals. They're buying audiences. So if Scott, normally a, a television brand advertiser would say, what's your household look like? So Scott brings up a great point that you can have two people under one roof, which is a traditional metric right now that's being bought and sold against that is dead if you go zero party data route. So I'm going to ask you first, Scott, how many do you belong to? Uh, probably the most important one, and this will sound great for a not really a billionaire, although people think I am. Uh, Southwest Airlines. I, I fly enough on Southwest, seeing oh, yeah. the boys going to the boys golf tournaments and stuff. I have companion status, so my wife flies for five bucks. So uh, that that's a wow. that's a huge win. Costco is another okay. one. I have a Costco card, and right, every me. year they we buy so much through Costco, they walk us out to the car with our check to make sure we're safe <laughs> uh, when we get our little rebate. Well, well, that's because you're Scott McNeely too. Uh, I wish I had that, but okay. So there's two. Do you think you have maybe one or two more, or is that kind of where you you end personally for loyalty? Um, uh, I have uh, BJ's Restaurant. I got a loyalty card there, so I got a free pizuki. And literally, my wife and I went there to get the free pizuki. It's just nuts. It was a it's like a awesome. seven dollar dessert, and we got a free one, so we went. Um, I probably have a few more. I just uh, okay. So don't know. so here's where you fall. Let's put you in the. We're going to say you have four because you named three and you probably have some more. Thirty five percent of U.S. consumers belong to four to ten loyalty programs. Wow, that's a lot. Wow, I mean, think about that. that is... And then fifty percent. This stat that we're going to show on the screen here. Fifty percent say that they only belong one to three, and then seven percent belong more to ten. But what I think is really important there is not just the the amount of people that are in the loyalty programs, but the fact that every consumer is familiar with a loyalty program of some sort, but some brands aren't. Some brands do not have a loyalty strategy, whether it's a platform and a real program, they don't have anything. Uh, And there's another stat I wanna share with you, Scott. Take a guess. How many people do you think on average, percentage-wise in America, have said, hey, look, I buy from a certain brand, but I'm not loyal to that brand because the brand has never asked me to be loyal. How many people you think said that they fall into that category? Uh, probably all. Um, I think everybody's had that challenge. <laughs> well, our stats say that 27% of people um, would be loyal to a brand, but they're not because the brand doesn't have a loyalty platform or doesn't have a program. So I think that's also nuts. I think brands are leaving things on the table. They're not collecting the right data. They're not putting you know a one-to-one communication and relationship together, and they're not creating loyalty to keep those people retained and turn them into advocates. I, I, would, I would go further than that and say that of the loyalty programs that are there today, the majority of those loyalty programs are really around points for purchases. And actually, with um, Google, you know, signing away the the death warrant for uh, for the cookie uh, in the next two years, following similar moves by uh, other browsers, uh, plus all this privacy legislation, you know, delivering personalized marketing is getting extremely disrupted through uh, traditional digital um, uh, marketing techniques. And so that really does put the onus on brands to get this direct relationship with consumers in order to collect the data with which they can personalize marketing. And I think loyalty platforms, loyalty frameworks have as much, you know, are are the vehicle now 
to do that. So rather than just points for purchases, brands need to deliver experiences and they need to provide yeah. uh, a value exchange in return for that data around motivations and desires, well, not just get points off a purchase. Well, wait till you guys see, I'm gonna, I'm gonna launch this report, I'm working on it right now, we're gonna launch this report soon that tells you exactly what US consumers, and frankly, people across the globe, we have many different regions, APAC, EMEA, you know, Europe, et cetera. We're gonna tell you what they actually want from a loyalty program, that's coming up soon. But go ahead, I know you have other questions for Scott, and I have, I have, a, I have one that I really wanna answer today before he goes. Yeah, a, a quick question for you, Scott. Um, you know, obviously, with the the you know various different senators in the U.S. and uh, you know talking about privacy legislation that they want to put in, and and different governments around the world coming up with uh, their own formats of, of privacy legislation. You know, what do you think ultimately will win? You know, will it be legislation around privacy that drives behavior, or will it be the fact that consumers will choose whether they want to work with brands that? you know, snoop on them or those brands that give them a value exchange. Where do you, where do you sit on this? Is there, is there room for regulation or should it, should it be just good practice by marketers? I, I, I'm, well, I'm a small government guy and I have very little faith that uh, the absolute technology Luddites in Congress have any chance of keeping up technology moves at the speed of light in technology uh, has the shelf life of a banana and Congress moves at the speed of Congress. There couldn't be a bigger mismatch. And Congress tends to do things uh, if somebody pays them money so that they can buy votes and stay in power rather than do the right thing. I, I, and, and, and by the way, Congress and the government are the problem here. They're the scary ones to have data. They're running around, they're the arsonists running around yelling fire uh, and blaming the uh, the businesses, the the the, the uh, private sector, when they're the biggest issue. I, and by the way, m my um, my thought about you know you have no privacy, get over it. Everything is a, a digital tattoo. It's true. There is nobody who has ever been able to delete an email except Hillary deleted thirty five thousand emails, and nobody's ever found them. That's the only time that has ever happened. In the she's brilliant. She should be president of the United States because she's the only one that can actually do that. But I got one for you on that. That is a segue. So let's say put your CEO hat back on. Right, you're you're Mark Pritchard at PNG. Do I have to? You're somebody at American <laughs> Airlines. <laughs> right? Yeah. Who wants to be the pinata? But these companies have to make decisions. They have to do business. And the impending legislation right now, it looks like there's some states rolling some things out, which is a nightmare, right? No CEO can keep up with 50 different laws. So if it's one federal law, fine. You know, who knows what's going to happen? But a question only you can answer, I think. Will the government write these legislations in a way that it allows them to continue to collect the data and everything that you're worried about the government? Will the government eat their own sauce? And will you be able to opt out of all the things that the government's collecting on you right now as a personal? Do you think that will actually come to pass? Absolutely not. The government is um, absolutely wanting to be in charge, absolutely want to be in control. Now, there's a few random people with their heads screwed on, right, who argue for a more libertarian, you know, let's protect your rights, not... Um, protect your outcomes it's just it's just not going to happen and i think that it's if a uh, private sector is smart they'll start offering that explicit opt-in for value 
with explicit value in exchange for access to the data, whether you value the data, somebody's gonna somebody's gonna make a lot of money creating some sort of blockchain uh, portfolio of private data that uh, an, uh, any any citizen can have and own of their own data and that they can sell for to the highest bidder uh, if they don't particularly care uh, if that data is out and used. So. Uh, it'd be nice if uh, if we had those options. Uh, I don't know whether uh, uh, scary regulations are going to uh, force people. The problem with regulations, every time the government regulates, it becomes very difficult to compete. Small businesses can't compete, and you end up driving and creating monopolies. Governments like monopolies because monopolies have a lot of money, and they pay uh, bureaucrats a lot of money to protect their monopolies. Look at Wall Street for instance, and then uh, the politicians have a way of raising campaign donation monies and lots of redistribution entitlement money that they can use to buy votes and stay in power. It's a horrible, horrible uh, circle, corrupt circle that we get that uh, gets us hurtling towards 50% of the GDP in the government sector. It's, it's actually it's actually an interesting uh, point. Uh, uh, we did a podcast um, uh, a couple of weeks ago where I was ref referencing a Digiday article uh, that was uh, covering um, uh, a working group of the uh, IAB that was basically trying to figure out with the cookie now, you know, being consigned to the dustbin of history what's going to be the new identifier for the web um and so they were looking at well you know some combination of email and phone number uh, phone number it has to be a, a first party data identifier and digiday was making the 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 point and i think it is a valid one that actually this this change this 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 you know privacy regulation uh, and and actually to change with the way it's being implemented at the moment is going to um, reinforce the strong uh, against the small and the the the, the weak. Um, so, uh, Facebook, Google, Amazon that have huge logged in consumer bases and have all of that first party data are going to get strengthened. And smaller publishers, smaller ad tech players, smaller agencies that don't have that logged in consumer uh, data, uh, database are the ones that are going to be yeah, they're going to be back to buying demographics. They're going to be buying blocks of people with no intelligence, no personalization, no anything. Which is why Mark Pritchard, chief brand officer of yeah. P&G, came out um, you know, in September to the ANA saying... You know, I don't. The Wall Gardens, the Facebook, Google's, Amazon—they're never going to share their data. So we're we're taking our own future into our own hands and building out a database of consumers, which is 1.3 billion strong. And I think that you know that's the future. We we work with enterprise brands, you know, so they tend to be quite large. But even enterprise brands are now having to to make that decision, play catch up, build out their own first party database and own that that consumer, direct consumer relationship. Well, it's crazy because even small brands, I mean, we, we have some clients that are fairly small in the, in the big scheme of things and they're taking their own audiences to Google, to Amazon, for Facebook, for one-to-one -one matching. So they're able to to match literally down to people with red hair and size nine shoes if they want, but it's based on explicitly declared zero party data. So cool. I think Scott agrees with us, Scott, that... You know, if you want, if if you're a brand, you're a CEO, you're a CMO, you're somebody who's responsible for privacy compliance, of which regulation we have no idea what that's going to look like. But to get ahead of that street fight, because it really is going to be a street fight when right. the regulation totally. comes down, yeah. your best investment is to not drive through it in an armored car. Your best investment is to fly over that street fight, and the way to fly over that, in my opinion, 
is build your database of explicitly declared opt-ins with the right terms and conditions, a one-to-one, clear, transparent relationship. That way, whatever legislation comes along, you're going to be compliant. Right, and have that that structure of that value exchange with the consumer, so that they keep yep. giving well, that's you more. How you get it. Yeah. Keep giving you more data over the customer lifecycle, and you can actually build repeat purchase and a higher customer lifetime value. That has to be the construct, I think, of the future. Otherwise, you are in hook, you know, uh, to Facebook, yeah. Google, and Amazon, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, forever and a day. And, and look, we've just seen how much of a, uh, ad price has been going up on Facebook. You know, I mean, it's nuts. And, you, you know, this is a world that mm. I think any market doesn't want to get caught in. Mm. You've got to own your own direct consumer channels these days. So, Scott, what's your other advice you have for CEOs grappling with this and trying to get ahead of the future? It's cloudy. They don't know what to do. What other advice do you have for them? Well, well I think you guys are on the right issue. And that is you got to have a direct one-to-one with your consumer. And the whole concept of using digital advertising with uh, Facebook and Google now, what are they, two-thirds of the digital advertising nut and then you throw in Amazon, which is eating the world and everybody else is basically SOL and they're gonna have to um, figure out how to get directly to their their consumers. And I would certainly, if I was not one of those three companies would not trust the legislators to write small to medium sized business friendly uh, legislation. They're gonna write Google, Amazon, Facebook, friendly legislation because guess where all their campaign donation money is coming from those companies well and just tax revenue and everything else is coming through there i totally agree i think one of the the big hurdles we're gonna have to tackle soon as a topic is how much do we trust facebook with my audience if i just build if i'm mark pritchard and i got a billion people in my database how how safe do I feel saying, hey, Facebook, just match these people up and please don't give my data to anyone else or make any lookalikes or do anything else with it. Just use it to do a one-to-one advertise match. And I think that's where the trust is going to fall apart with a lot of these brands. Well, if these brands have very, very large audiences that build up, they have some power in oh, yeah, that conversation. Sure. Yeah, the Pritchard of the world doesn't yeah. have a problem, but the smaller one who has 100,000, you know, 200,000 direct-to-consumer startups, you know, where Dollar Shave Club was when they started, I think there's going to be a lot of screw and I think these platforms, these wall gardens, um, they need to have a transparency plan for brands to say, hey, look, your data is safe. It's in a black box. You know, Axiom used to do that. And that went away with Twitter and no longer using that data. But they're going to have to come up with some sort of transparent box. And it's going to be interesting to see. It will be doing. interesting to see how these these attitudes change. But um, Scott, I've got one more question for you um, that I, I find um, really interesting seeing how this whole market has played out. Um you know, seeing Zuckerberg uh, getting pulled up in front of uh, Congress and, you know, I watched a whole, whole bunch of that uh, uh, stuff, which I thought was fascinating, just made me think, you know, you're the only other person I know <laughs> that has had a similar uh, situation being, you know, in front of Congress. You were there famously with, with Bill Gates. What's it like being in uh, the spotlight of, of Congress, the, the politicians, uh, as, as Zuckerberg has been? Uh, well, I guess what's most startling and and I hate to be negative about government, but I'm trying to find positives with our government, you know, and it is how out of touch, how um, silly their questions are, how just absolutely clueless they are about what's going on in the marketplace. And uh, it, it's, uh, it, it's kind of scary that uh, we let them regulate and manage as much of the private sector as we do. And I think the real 
the invisible hand and smart consumer choices are what make good answers, not some elite um, out of touch uh, person trying to stay in power in the government. So uh, that's that was the most startling part. I mean, there was Strom Thurmond. I mean, they they held cards up for the poor guy and the, the, the font size was like this big <laughs> so that he could read it. And he didn't know what he was reading. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about on that one. Interesting. Well, well um, Scott, it's it's a pleasure yeah. having you on the podcast. Well, I, you know, it's, it's great having someone that you know doesn't pull their punches, right? You, know, <laughs> you don't have to worry about Scott not saying what he feels. You know, which yeah. which is what people want. They want to hear authenticity. So, well, thank you very much. I want one more thing from Scott. I want if we have anybody here, we've probably been on for twenty plus minutes. If we still have them, how is Mav doing? Mav Maverick was a uh, was an intern for us at way in years ago, and now he's. He's on TV. I'm seeing him when I, you know, Saturday mornings. How's he doing? Yeah, and just and how's not, your caddying job? And going? just not any. That's just not any McNeely. That's Scott's son. Maybe yeah, for those right? that, that aren't golf uh, fanatics. How's it going? Oh, he's doing great. All four of my boys are doing great. They're all just wonderful kids. He's the first one off the payroll. He's solidly off the payroll. He made one hundred and forty-five thousand dollars last weekend. Uh, he's made over a million dollars in his first three years of prize money. He's fifty-six on the FedEx Cup, and I want all of you out there and. If you care about education, he is supporting Curriki, C-U-R-R-I-K-I dot org, uh, which is a we're building a new platform to basically allow the flipped classroom to happen and to allow content creators to have a common standard open platform on which to build courseware. And for every birdie he makes, people are pledging. And right now he's got uh, uh, hundreds of people who have pledged. And every time he makes a birdie, Kariki gets over $750, and we're trying to get that number up to uh, about uh, $5,000 per uh, per birdie that he makes out there on the PGA wow. Tour, and he's making a lot of them. Yeah, I think he was fourth in the fall for uh, most birdies, and uh, last uh, bit of daddy bragging, he's got a uh, streak of 11 straight cuts made, I believe, which is 10th on the active Fantastic. list of cuts made. Not bad, not bad for a rookie, and... He, he is the leader in 34 rounds of 72 or better. Uh, he's just by far the, the got the longest active streak of that. So he's doing doing quite well. He's off the payroll. All right. Fantastic. Glad to hear it. We're watching him on TV, man. It's great. It's great to hear it. And a great cause behind it. Too. Uh, and we, cool. we shall uh, let's drop uh, links in. For, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, people want to learn more about Kariki. We'll do that yep. into the, uh, you know, into the to the post. So folks can can uh, take it on themselves to learn more as well. Watch their money grow on Saturday mornings. <laughs> I love it. Well, Scott, thanks for, for coming on, man. We're going to have you on, obviously, more. You know, Scott bounces around wherever he's going to be. He'll be on the moon next. <laughs> Pull you in from the moon. He'll have to. You'll have to use. Yeah, we'll see if that... You'll have to use my encrypted email because I'm 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 going off the grid. I'm I, since since I got outed here in Orlando, I'm going to have to move my uh, my uh, my RV operations vehicle. So we'll send smoke signals. Yeah, when you when you when you come off the grid, let us know. We'll uh, we'll take you in the next episode. Thanks, everybody. All right. See you soon. Cheers. Thanks, Scott.